Hey, what's up? It's Geek Down Nerds Mics. I'm Jordan. That's Kate. Jordan. Yeah. Jordan. Mm-hmm. That's not how you introduce the show. What? It's not how you introduce the show. What show? The show we're doing. Right we, now. We have a show? We have a show. I don't even remember anything that happened before... New York? September 3rd and 4th. Well, we have a show, and you're supposed to do the intro. Right. Uh, what's the name of the show? It's called Geek Down. Oh, right. It's the Geek Down podcast. It's the show where two nerds sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. Uh, my name's Jordan Ferguson. And my name is Caitlin McKinnon. And, uh, yeah, soundcloud.com slash geekdownpod, iTunes, listen to it. Yeah. Is this going to be the entire episode? <laughs> yeah. Did you have fun in New York? Oh, my God. Should I ask Kyan back to do the podcast with me? You do whatever you feel is best. You did a very capable job in my absence. Capable? Yes. I can't even... Blood out of my ears. <laughs> I... Flames, flames, the side of my face. Listeners, I don't know if you were here, if you listened to last week's episode. Sounded fine to me. I was expecting just for it to sound like, you know, Cthulhu speak and <laughs> Shud talk because it the way Kate made it seem with the technical difficulties she was ex- apparently experiencing, which now, I mean, if nothing else, has given her crystal clarity into what I deal with every week. Uh, yes. So I have to make some changes in the way we record for instance if i knock the table i might punch myself in the face or i you you pick up on people's uh audio ticks or mm-hmm. oral ticks apparently i like to go um that's my thing apparently you like to do that and you also like to go um and so yeah though that combination of those three yeah I just so, I just stop. Like my thing is always silence. I have to remove silences because but that's if better. I don't have a point. It's not really. It's a six of one, half dozen of the other. It still is an edit that has to happen. But just you you don't realize how you say things, and it can really drive you nuts. Anyway, the listeners don't care about tech talk with Jordan and Kate. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. All right. Well, if you do enjoy it, there are ways you can tell us. Uh, first and foremost of which. Is the Facebook group. Which is at www.facebook.com forward slash geekdownpod. Oh, don't you just, don't you just miss that? that. You just I miss that. that banter. Good to see yeah. you, Kate. Good to be back. I really do. I mean, thank you, Kaim, for coming, and you did a great job, but I miss this. Listen, we're very good at what we do, people. We're getting better still. We're, we're still evolving. Good. Uh, so yes, New York was everything I ever wanted it to Did be. you get to see shiny, shiny light-up dresses? Oh, did I? Friends, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Jordan underscore Ferguson. Like I said, it's for, for, I use it for everything. At Jordan underscore Ferguson, you can see photos of my trip and videos of the queens doing their queenly business. The, the thing I took away the most from it is like, so before I lived in Toronto... I hated Toronto. People, I lived in Windsor, and people would want to be just, I got to get out of here. I got to go to Toronto. And I was like, man, fuck Toronto. Like, it's bullshit. If you can't be happy here, you ain't going to be happy anywhere. And then you move to Toronto, and you go, holy shit, Toronto's great. And then you meet people in Toronto who are, like, all about New York. 
and they're like, man, it's like Toronto thinks it's Toronto. Everybody says Toronto's like New York. It's nothing like New York. New York is on like a whole nother level. Yeah. And I would be like, you people don't know how good you have it. Like Toronto's great. And then I went to New York and became one of those people. Oh, no, you're not one of those people. (laughs) I love Toronto. I would never want to live in New York. No. Um, Visiting New York is great. The pace is just too damn fast in New York. But don't ever say that Toronto is Canada's New York. It's not. No. It's not even. Well, I mean, it's the closest thing if Canada had a New York. But it's not like New York. New York is like nothing I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, definitely reiterated that I am always going to be an East Coast person. Like, I have no interest in Los Angeles or California. I think that Los Angeles and California have a very different mindset. It's all That's about what I get. I beaches mean, and babes and sunlight and tanning. But for those of us who like the kind of that city vibe, I don't think... LA is the best place to go. I want to be stomping on some concrete. I want buildings stretching off into the distance. Yeah. The one, the one, the douchiest move I had. So I met, I met a friend for brunch the next, the day after I got back and we learned very quickly that people, pedestrians don't stop in Manhattan. Oh no, they do not. Because everything's a one way. Yeah. So 90% of the time they just go. Whether a car's coming or not. If a car's yeah. coming, I was on some corners where people were like, fuck it, they can't hit all of us. <laughs> just One person went and then another person and suddenly everybody was just crossing the street with no regard for you know, traffic signals. And we went for brunch at uh, Annie's and Uncle's, which is on College Street or around the corner from College Street. And then I needed a new stylus for my turntable. So I was headed to the record store to get that. And there was a one way. And no one was coming, and it was red. And I didn't even think. I just, like, stopped and, like, walked straight out into traffic. Because I'd been doing it for, like, four days. Right. But it's hard when no one else com- comes with you. <laughs> and the person I was with was like, what What are you doing? <laughs> I stopped in the middle of the street, and I was like, oh, wow. This is the douchiest thing I'm ever going to say. But I still have New York brain. And this is just what, this is just what you do. Because I did a lot of walking. I didn't, like... And you get into a New York flow. Yeah, you've got to adapt quick. It's yeah. got to be like, if I'm, if I'm going to survive, I'm by myself. Like, I've spent most of the trip by myself, wandering from one end of the island to the other, which is what I enjoy, to be honest. Yep. And you can't look like a tourist. I will never. never I will never look like a tourist. But yeah, just <laughs> did not did not immediately shake this idea that like, oh, right. You, we don't do that here. We're it, a little more laid back. It's a. It's almost like the time I went to London. And I got caught in rush hour and you better know where you're going (laughs) or they will just climb over you. So you were driving or walking? I was walking Mm. and I was in the London Underground, which is sweltering because they don't have any AC Mm. or anything like that. It's boiling hot in there, almost like your apartment. And we're not bad today. Not today. No, but. I remember my cousin giving me a bottle of water and warning me that when I go down the stairs, it's going to hit me. And I don't think it's bad now, but it's going to be terrible. And also, if I see a mob of people coming towards me, I either get to the sides or just walk with them, even if it's in the wrong direction. (laughs) Just you're going you're now going on an adventure. We hope you enjoy it. And sure enough, I got down the stairs It hit me like this wave of just hot, just a wave of hot. And I got swept up in rush hour and it's um, like a massive mob and it was the biggest mob of people I've ever seen 
and I just had to go with the flow, literally, or get trampled. Yeah, Times Time Square was probably the closest to that. Cause basically, I would I would go to the show, and then I would need to decompress yeah. and think about the blessings that had been given upon me, because I'm so blessed, Caitlin. Yeah. I'm so blessed. So blessed. I would pick a different route back to the hotel. And I mean, you know, John Mulaney said in a great bit about Home Alone 2, like, you can't get lost in New York. The city's a grid, motherfucker. Like, you just go. Yeah. So I would just be like, well, I didn't walk down 43rd yet. I'll walk down that street on my way back to Lexington, which is where our hotel was on. And But after night two, I went up to Times Square because I hadn't yet, even though people had told me, like, Times Square is a nightmare. Do not go there. They have a giant M&M store. What are they talking about? Uh, they also have a 24-hour H&M. I didn't know that. In case you need <laughs> affordable, hour. poorly made clothes yeah. <laughs> at 3 a.m. At any time. Um, and was, shouldn't have been surprised, a little taken aback by the cops with the AR-15s. Really? Yeah. Should have seen that coming. Don't normally see assault rifles in my day-to-day life. But, nope. But makes sense. Biggest tourist spot in Times Square. <laughs> if anything was going to pop off, it'd probably be there. And I'm sure it just leaves people feeling safer, I guess, to have burly policemen in riot gear with... I guess. Assault rifles. I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, and I will also say, the Pokemon Go hunting in New York is far superior. I did not see a single fucking drowsy while I was in New York. What did, what did you get? Anything good? I got my first Charmander. Nice. I almost got like that, that three-headed Dodo thing. Do, Dodrio, I think it's called. I don't know what that is. Um, Roger, my friend Roger, who I went with, he was like... He made out like a freaking bandit. He went to Central Park on on the Sunday of the trip oh, yeah. just to hunt for Pokemon. Did you get to go to Central Park? I did not. <gasps> no. I didn't do anything touristy. Though, like I got to walk from Central Park is not even touristy. It's, yeah, just a, it's like a life event. But like the people I was with, you know, they got to like you know, go to Brooklyn for the afternoon or go to Central Park. I was like, right. like Sunday, the day they were going to Central Park was General Admission Day, and I was like, I left at noon. Ah. I basically lined up for five hours. And if you check my Instagram, you will see the results of waiting out for five hours. I regret nothing. But yeah, I didn't get to do anything really touristy, which I tend to avoid as well. I just like to like sink into a place if I'm traveling and yeah. see what it is. So like the first day was the day with the gallery. So I left them early on um, after having the best cup of coffee I've ever had in my life. I know that sounds douchey too, but it was. Lucid Cafe on Lexington. You may, you have fantastic coffee and very attractive baristas. And then I walked basically, the gallery was on 26th Street. And so I basically walked down to 26th in Lexington and walked across the island. Right. Um, through Chelsea and through all of that. Went to the thing. They let me in early, which was unexpected. I thought I was going to have to wait till four. Like, I was really just like, I just want to see where the place is. But they let me in early. So I looked at all the dresses all the light-up dresses and had my moment and had a little journal. You could leave messages for the queens. So I left a message for the queens. Will they ever see it? I don't know. Who cares? They, pro- they might. They might. There was a Chicago left a banner for them that everybody signed and it yeah. showed up on their Instagram. So I think, they, cool. I think they do see things. Um, also, the gallery show was in like a multi-space venue, like a warehouse type yeah. thing. New York Fashion Week is was last week yeah so there were a lot of um other things going on in this space like when i left the gallery space where the exhibit was yeah we're talking wall-to-wall new york fashion models in this building i have never seen women like this before in my life is it the super tall skinny ones yeah is it weird they're so gorgeous (laughs) like 
Oh, you couldn't see me, audience. I was sh- shaking my head like a yes, like oh, yes, that, yes, that, yes, they would. That, they would be. And one of them like asked somebody nearby for like directions, or like we were on our way to the elevator, <laughs> and one of these like you know statuesque goddesses were like, were like, "Hi, were you guys coming from blah blah blah?" And it's like, yeah, I guarantee you, whatever we were coming from, you want? Nope, <laughs> you are not going there. Um, if I had gone on Sunday, I would have been able to see the open call for uh, the Yeezy season four. Which apparently was happening at I the heard, same space. I heard. I don't know why I heard this. I don't know how it came up. I'm not into fashion at all, as we know, because I'm the queen of frump. <laughs> but <laughs> oh my god, can that be on your business card, please? One day when I get a business card, Caitlin McKinnon, queen of queen of frump. frump. I have a I have a four cardigan limit. That's basically. <laughs> Simultaneously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a four card. If I buy a cardigan, no, not- I have to get rid of a cardigan. It's a rule now because I my closet was basically three shirts oh, and o- all cardigans. Ownership, not wearing. I thought you meant wearing four no, cardigans too much. No, no, ownership. Ah. That's the rule now. So I'm not into fashion, but this thing came up on my Facebook or maybe on my Pinterest because I was looking at capsule closets. Totally other, other, other show, other podcast. <laughs> We've already veered off course of the th- what the thesis of the show actually is long ago. So No, because it's all about geeking out and mm. stuff. And I know a lot of people geek out about Yeezy. <laughs> we were talking about Kanye West, right? Yes. Okay. Just double checking. The fact that you had to ask it is adorable. <laughs> I don't pay attention to Kanye He is like the worst person. And I just don't. I try not to pay attention well, to him. That's a topic for another day, but carry on. So... It came up about his fashion show, and he had all these models, and they were just in a field. Yeah. And they started passing out. Apparently, yeah, because they stood around in, like, the blazing heat for, for like, four six hours, hours or something. Or, yeah. yeah, and they didn't give them any water, and people didn't know if it was art, and they were supposed to help them or not help them. Anyways, I think that's terrible. <laughs> I feel terrible for models. The only thing I saw from Kanye's show was everybody was just, like, wearing Spanx. Just look like everybody was wearing Spanx. Yeah, they're all it's all nude colored yeah, clothing, which was, looks awkward. That was Kanye's thesis this season. Anyway, speaking of fashion, I have beef with the fashion world, actually. Oh. So I'm standing in line on day two. We have just uh, started to move up. Uh, I met some wonderful people in line, by the way. Uh, met up with a dude from Toronto, ended up sitting next to me in That's line. That's cool. Um, did so you guys become Facebook friends? We did. <gasps> That's not usually my move, but Kevin was like... <laughs> we ran to the McDonald's to take a leak. Kevin was like, oh, well, we're waiting. Just like hit me up on Facebook. So shouts to Kevin. Uh, we met people from, we met a mom and daughter from South Carolina who like their flight got canceled because there was a tropical oh, storm that weekend. Yeah. And then they were driving and then the car got flooded oh, <laughs> and then they rented another car. Like they were coming. And her friend, I really wanted to meet up with them afterward because the girl's friend bailed. It was right. like, this is this. No, this is too crazy. So the her mom came with her because this girl was like. I'm not missing perfume. I will drive 15 hours if I have to. And the right. mom was like, all right, let's go. So shouts to you, mom. Um, there was another mom and daughter in line. There was some dude who really liked perfume member Kashiuka. He had a vest covered in buttons that wow. he made himself. He actually was handing people just handing shit out like other fans. I got stickers from fans because a lot of Japanese fans will come over. Right. Because they have figured out that. North American shows, like, if you're that diehard, if you want to be as close to them as possible, right? you come to the American shows. Because, like, friends, I was probably 20 feet 
from them at the closest when they came over to my side of the stage. Right. You will never get that close in Japan because they're always like arena shows. You're always going to be like, you know, 50 to 100 feet away, even if you have the best tickets in the world. So Japanese fans come over a lot. Like there were a ton of Japanese people. And they're all like handing out stuff. I got stickers from Japanese people. There's a little pin some dude made. That's super cool. And he was just handing them out. He was like, you know, <laughs> he's like blue or pink. He's like, you could have one. And I was like, dude, you're awesome. And Jordan, blue or pink? The audience wants to know. I took blue because I'm gender normative. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was such an awkward thing to throw in there. <laughs> yes, everyone. Jordan Ferguson is gender normative. Sorry. You've broken hearts today, Jordan. <laughs> so I'm standing in line and it was day two. So I had, I had the red ensemble. As we established the last time I was on the program, I had shirts made. Yes. One was white text on black. The other one was red text on a white shirt. And this was the one that had just their, like, government names on it. And I'm standing in line, and we had moved up a bit. And these two women go by, and they stop, and they say, like, Oh, hey, excuse me. And it's, you know, I'm not fancy. Like, I'm just a dude, so I'm not a cosplayer or anything. I, you are such a dude. I figured they weren't talking to me. And they keep, you know, trying to get my attention. And I turn, and I'm like, yeah. Uh, hi, we're from Women's Wear Daily. We was wondering, we really like your t-shirt. We wonder if we could take a photo of it. I'm like, okay and they do and then and they leave i turn to the people i'm kind of around i'm like that's unexpected obviously not really being in the world i did not know that women's wear daily is like a giant fucking website it's like huge it's like an industry website for right. fashion so and i was like well shit that's really dope and i kept checking for uh for when this gallery would go online gallery went online on wednesday Guess who didn't make the final <gasps> cut for the gallery? You didn't make the final cut? Caitlin, how am I ever going to get discovered now? I don't know. It's definitely going to be through this podcast. Or through Women's Wear Daily. I know. So, your basic, your options are... Shots. Your options are down to Shots nothing. to Women's Wear Daily for taking my damn photo. Deciding I was too fat or too ugly <laughs> to put in the gallery. That's so sad. My t-shirt is still dope. Fuck you. His t-shirt is dope. I saw it. It was great. So that was my week. How was yours? Um, it was stressful. You're dying again. Due to editing a podcast. Oh, learning how to, but think of all the skills you've now developed. Oh, part of, I made sentences. Put that out on of, your... I made sentences in the podcast out of literally sentences that were spoken maybe 15 minutes apart. <laughs> and you couldn't even tell. Nope. I amazing, that part isn't it? I loved trying to get the echo out of every single minute of the taping was a little bit stressful trying to cut it down I didn't realize I'm I'm really now conscientious of how long I've been talking because trying to cut something down from two out or two and a half hours to an hour and a half two and a half hours it yeah it, we talked a lot and we like there's huge swaths of stuff that I didn't even put in because we, we couldn't fit it in and uh, we talked about Comic-Con and, like, comic oh, not again, Fan Expo, not Comic-Con, Fan Expo, Fan Expo rules, you know, uh, Fan Expo, you know, the way you conduct yourself. Like, we had this whole big thing about it, and I had to cut all of it out. So that was a little bit stressful. I have learned a new skill, though. I can put sound editing on my resume if I ever need to. Put that on your LinkedIn. Yeah, seriously. But other than that, it was fine. I'm going to be straight up with people. I don't have much news this week. It didn't seem like it was a really newsworthy week. No, I mean, the fall, after after the con season, it tends to die down a bit. However, uh, I do have one thing that's actually 
pretty major for well, the anime world. I I do have a couple things. I'm not gonna. I'm, I mean, I did my work. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna, you know, abandon the fans who who come here for the chit chat and the news. No, only I do that. Yeah, only you do that. But I will let you go first with your big anime news because I'm sure people are curious now. So on Thursday, out of nowhere, came this announcement that Crunchyroll and Funimation, who are like the Netflix and Hulu of anime streaming. Which one's which? Crunchyroll's probably the Netflix. I don't know. It's hard to say because they do different things. Crunchyroll does a lot of sim what they call simulcasting which is where show comes out in japan and within hours it's been subtitled right and uploaded through crunchyroll funimation deals a little more with these like giant you know your 900 episode series one piece is on funimation uh naruto's on funimation those type of shows and they also deal more with dubbing and physical releases actually producing DVDs and box sets and things like that. So out of nowhere on Thursday came this announcement that Crunchyroll and Funimation are basically partnering going forward. But the big question is, besides all of the logistics, what will the name be? They're still each is still going to be each. Oh. They're just they're not going to share everything. Okay. Um some Funimation back catalog titles are already on Crunchyroll, like Cowboy Bebop and Psycho Pass, right. shows like that. Uh, as well, some of the new summer simulcast titles that Funimation has, like uh, the new D. Grayman series, something called First Love Monster. Puzzles and Dragons has an anime, apparently. Wait, the game that yeah. they advertise while you're playing other things? Yeah. That's got an anime. Weird. Apparently Funimation bought that. So that's already been on Crunchyroll. As well, Crunchyroll shows like um, <laughs> the show I like to call Abs the Anime also known as Free Iwatobi Swim Club. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Or something called The Testament of Sister New Devil. Uh, those will be going to Funimation as well. If you are solely a Funimation subscriber, you can now watch these shows. And as well, it's basically going to be Crunchyroll will continue to kind of do what it does. So it'll take over a lot of the subtitling. Right. And Funimation will continue to focus on what it, it does best, subtitling and putting out physical releases. And basically, anime fans win? That, it sounds like it. It's like if Netflix and Hulu like decided, you know what? Yeah, we're just going to share all our shit. Now, if you just want to pay for Netflix, you can pay for Netflix and watch Hulu shows or Amazon Prime shows. Which would be nice Netflix. because there are a whole bunch of things that I'd really like to watch that Hulu has that it will not share. So regarding like some of the analysis on this sort of thing, speaking of Hulu, um, basically, licensing fees are getting exorbitant it costs i did not know this basically if you're trying to license a show for the western market for the north america you're paying two hundred thousand per episode per episode so a 13 episode series is going to cost you 2.6 million dollars what so you have these two services that are each trying to get the hot shows yeah the Japanese publishers know this. They have no problem pitting them against each other. Of course. Um, so these two services are kind of been like kneecapping each other to get the hotter titles. They basically turned around and said, fuck it. Let's just work together. Let's just work together. Yeah, it's half and the cost. And stop ruining our own business. And yes, yeah, we can now split the cost on some of these things. Uh, as well, Hulu apparently, for Funimation specifically, 
Hulu used to have a ton of anime. I used to watch a lot of anime on Hulu. They had yeah. a lot of like really old stuff. Like I was watching like Yurisei Yatsura, which is like an 80s anime by the woman who did Inuyasha on Hulu. And I guess they used to kind of pay licensing fees per title. And But what ended up happening is recently Hulu got rid of its free tier mm-hmm. and dropped a shit ton of its anime, except for like a select group of titles. So yeah, they're paying far less in licensing fees to these sites like Funimation than they were before. Of course. So yeah, it's kind of crazy that this is even happening. The Japanese anime producers probably not going to be happy about this short term. Probably not. Because it means they can't jerk people around. So the hope is that, you know, if they can't pit these two against each other anymore, that maybe fees will come down a little bit. Right. It becomes easier for crunchimation fun and roll whatever <laughs> to to be able to pick these up it's really kind of like a not sexy inside baseball behind the curtain business type story but it has kind of really interesting implications and repercussions because we talk about this sometimes i don't know if we have but i feel like i've talked about this with people or maybe we have off mic we're like so everyone's goal is to like cut cable yes. get that out of our lives Now, as all these subscription services start building up, Mm -hmm. because if you want to see everything you want to see, you have to get, let's, let's play in an ideal world that we can just get like HBO go on its own or the WWE network. Which would be really nice HBO. It would be great. Canada. It's not HBO's fault. It's Canada's fault. Uh, Is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. It's like the CRTC and Rogers' fault, I think. CRTC, (laughs) you are killing me here. So you might have... Your Netflix is what is it like ten bucks? Yeah, I think it's something like that. And so, if you're paying ten bucks a month for Netflix, say Hulu was here too. Hulu, Amazon Prime, uh, HBO Go, that thing I was talking about. Uh, you want to get rich? So you want your NFL? So you're a sports guy. You want your NFL pass? How much is that going to cost you? Like, you have to buy all these things separately, a la carte. Yeah. Show me in Canada or Crave or whatever it is. Every content owner is going to start to want their own streaming service. Yeah. This is why Netflix has been going super hard with making their own shit. And not even that. They like even this month they put out all kinds of stuff. Yeah, like it's it's stuff drops on Netflix all the time now. Every two weeks a new like batch of a series will drop. Like Narcos just hit, Luke Cage is gonna be up in two weeks. Um there was a couple other big ones as well. I can't recall right now, but I was really surprised to see them on Netflix. As Netflix starts to lose or as these deals that they have with some of the studios for some shows and properties start to expire, the owners of the content want to say, okay, cool, thanks, take it. Yeah. We're going to build our own thing now. And, you know, if you want to watch Friends, even though Friends is, like, notoriously on Netflix, but, you know, like, whoever owns Friends is going to, like, be, okay, peace, throw it on something else. Right. You know, Sony definitely wants to hold on to a bunch of the stuff that... It's got. So for these, for Crunchyroll and Funimation to be like, you know what? It just works better for people. They're going to be happier if they have more easy access. You know, it's not a total cross streaming type thing. No. They are still going to have their own exclusive things, but that wall comes down a little bit. That's really kind of amazingly forward thinking for for companies serving a sort of niche audience like this. Though I, I was looking, I was trying to find the thing I was watching today. And 
I didn't realize there were so many animes. I mean, I knew there were a lot. Don't get me wrong. But I, we were looking in the M's, and there was like 20 pages of M's, and our thing was like on the last page. Of just M's. Just M's. Just titles that start with M. <laughs> it, that is insane. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely insane. Well, yeah, and anime's been around for like 60 years, right? So Yeah, I still can't get over it. <laughs> I'm astonished. There's a lot. And this is like the second time that Crunchyroll's kind of been like a forward-thinking company because I'm pretty sure Crunchyroll started as like a piracy site. Oh, really? I think they started as like a in the late 90s as like a fan sub site. Right. So fan subs, if shows were not available legally, somebody knew a guy, somebody knew a guy, they would get it, get the Japanese copies or the VHS or whatever. Uh, and initially, sometimes there would just be companies that you would order from. Right. Like I, had a, I had a handful of fan subs back in the day. You'd send them, you know, 15 bucks or whatever to cover the cost of a tape and the postage. They dub it for you, send it back. That's the first. That's how I got to see Miyazaki's first movie, The Loop in the Third One. That's really cool. Cagliostro Castle, because it wasn't was not readily available. Uh, I think in the inter- in the digital revolution, I think Crunchyroll started as like a fan sub distributor, and then huh. slowly. I have not read into this. I think it'd be a really interesting story to find out how they kind of made the cross from like pirates or aiding and abetting pirates to being the foremost. Becoming the Netflix of anime, basically. That's Future a... article for Jordan to write. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's been done before. Probably has. I'll look into it. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> that's that's basically, that's the big thing that's popping off in the anime world. And it seems week. like it does. it is going to have interesting repercussions. Not just for anime and anime lovers and anime viewers and people who are trying to find things that are anime related and then can't and they don't know why. Things look, people looking for things at the, at the end of the M's. Yeah. I, and it's going to have interesting repercussions, but also for those, like you said, streaming sites that we have now that are, you know, popping up all over the place. How are they going to deal with it? Are people going to band together? Are we going to have the Netflix Hulu allies against the Amazon Prime, uh, <laughs> I can name another kind of CBS axis of evil? Like, we just <laughs> don't know. Don't- don't have to construct a world war of streaming providers. You know what? I like the universe I've created. I'm going to keep it. Okay. Moving on to... I, it's not related at all with anything. Oh, cartoons. Moving on to other cartoons. cartoons. But, but not anime. Batman, The Return of the Cape Crusader. Do you know what that is? What that is. Oh, see? You didn't know what that was. Nope. It is a new animated release. It's actually be coming to theaters October 10th. Theaters. Theaters. It's a, a paying tribute to the 1960s TV Batman. And guess who's uh, coming back to voice their roles? Is this the Adam West, Burt Ward thing? Yeah. And Julie Newmar. Ah. Uh. Julie Newmar is coming back as Catwoman, people. Oh, okay. This is a big deal. It's a huge deal. This is a sort of logical progression from the Batman 66 comic that they've had for and the they, past five years. Or exactly. So. That's exactly what it is. It's it's very much like that. So if you are a fan of the 1960s Batman, which was a live action wonder to behold, you should probably go see it. It should be it's having a limited release. I know that they're going to um, be releasing it first at New York Comic Con. But I think which is, I guess, late. September, early October, um, but the October 10th release will 
go out in theaters. And if you are interested in, in seeing 60s Batman in theaters, you should go check it out. Because I think I might even check it out. I love 60s Batman. I do not. Which is crazy because it's so good. Is it? The cheesiness level is up with original Star Trek. <laughs> so it even goes beyond sometimes. But I just, I've always really enjoyed that kind of cheesy wholesomeness of 60s television. It's mad. You're being generous just by calling it cheesy. What would you call it? Abominable. It's not abominable. There's something really, I don't know, nice that you could have these interesting TV shows, but they also be silly. If you can let go of any respect for a character that you enjoy, then yeah, by all means, you can dive into (sighs) 60s Batman. You know what? I suppose. I suppose if you started reading the comics first and then you saw this. He pulls a bat shield in one episode, like out from just nearby, very poorly making it seem like it was tucked behind his cape. And then when he goes to like put it away, he's on like a bar or something. He just kind of like drops it next to a stool. Yeah, that makes sense. That's fine. That That's li- fine. That just lives there like now. Yeah. Fucking Batman. There's like bat gear spread all over Gotham City. <laughs> just he's just case, dropping shit places. Just in case he needs it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's sort of the cartoon news there. There's really not much this week. I do have some updates, though. Oh. Uh, not updates of, like, our update segment, but, uh-huh. like, up news updates. News updates. Yeah. Guess what the first one's going to be about? Uh, Idris Elba? <laughs> no. Oh. First one's going to be about Star Trek Discovery, <laughs> which you I know you love. So. Uh, how did I ever go 14 days without hearing, hearing about anything Star about Star Trek? I don't know. I really don't know. So they've... Kind of definitely confirmed that... <laughs> kind of definitely. Kind of definitely confirmed that the series will take place 10 years before Kirk and Spock set out. Oh, okay. Which is actually a lot sooner to the original series than I thought it was going to take place. Mm-hmm. The main character, who we talked about before being uh, a commander, and so not a captain, and female, there's kind of been this hint that she's going to be the original number one. Do you know who that is? No? No. By the look on your face, you're just pulling a whole huge blank. So the first pilot episode of Star Trek, the original series, had the number one to Captain Pike be a woman. Okay. And he just refers to her as number one. It is actually played by Majel Barrett. So anyone who's watched Star Trek... Oh, Roddenberry's wife. ...knows her as that and also as Deanna Troy's mother, who she plays an amazing role in TNG. Just fantastic. I love her dearly. And also she appears on Deep Space Nine. Uh, she was appeared in that first episode, but the studio basically said, you can't have a woman in a role of power because, you know, it's the 60s and we're all sexist assholes. assholes. However, so some people th- are kind of thinking, because there's sort of been some drop, uh, hints dropped, that number one is going to be the um, Majel Barrett character. Some of the reason people think that it is going to be this character is because she doesn't actually have a name. She's just referred to as number one. And so far, the idea is that this commander character, this number one, is not going to have a name either. So people are drawing conclusions from that. Another big piece of news is that the show will be influenced by Brian Fuller and senior correspondent's favorite Star Trek episode, uh, which is called The Balance of Terror. It's actually one of the 
only original Star Trek episodes I've ever seen. I've seen like a handful of them in the movies and then watched all of, you know, TNG and Voyager. Mm-hmm. So I have to watch some more original Star Trek now. That's basically what I'm taking out of this. But also, Balance of Terror had a lot to do with the Romulans and basically kind of avoiding war with the Romulans and learning about them and that whole war and peace and building up to it. And it's a fantastic episode, even to this day. It's aged really, really well. So the series will take a lot of influence from that. And that's pretty exciting because it's a fantastic episode. And if we get to see some lady be badass and fight Romulans, I am in. I mean, I was in anyways, but I am so in. Saying, when were you out? You know, if they had said, like, it's going to be a bunch of dudes, we're going to make it like like they did with, not even that I play Final Fantasy, but Final Fantasy is like, it's going to be a dude road trip. I'd be like, I'm out. I'm out. This is not my Star Trek. I'm out. So, yeah, that's that's the Star Trek news. And then do you want to know what the other piece of news I have is? Of course. It's about Idris Elba. Oh, <laughs> Partially for our friend Cooley. Thank you for talking to us on the Facebook group, Cooley. I appreciate it. She mentioned how she loves the Idris updates. I did not even see this. Oh, well, I was I was touched that she mentioned this because you know I don't know whether people really care about the Idris updates. Mm-hmm. But I have a very important Idris update. Could it be any more important than when he worked out that one time? Well, it is. It was his birthday. Happy birthday, Idris. September 6th. He turned 44. And he looks real great for 44. Damn great. Damn fine for 44. Really, really top-notch 44-year-old. Acting his ass off. At 44. Wouldn't expect a 44-year-old to still be able to act that well. No, it's amazing. He just keeps on acting. He just puts that energy into it. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, uh, yeah, happy birthday, Idris Elba. And that's it. That's I'm done with my news. We just, we just end the show there. There's really nothing left to talk about. That's a, No. That's the most important part. Basically, that and Star Trek, yeah. And we talked about both, so we've just checked them all off. Should go now. Well, we will. But we'll come back. Excellent. And when we do, we'll talk about the things that we brought each other. Because we're back to format. We are back to format. And some of us watch the things we're asked to watch. I watched it. I just had trouble finding it. Not talking about you. Huh. We'll go on that rant after this break. And welcome back to the show. This is the part of the show where we talk about the things we brought each other. But before we get started, we have some rules. Now, you've been away for a while. Do you remember the rules, Jordan? There's more. We still have more of this to do. More I what? I don't get to go. I don't get to look at my home videos now. No. No. Oh. We have another whole half of the show. Oh God. Who came up with the format for this? I think it came out of the fact that we like to talk, and it was a lot longer than we thought it was going to be. Ah, <laughs> uh, the rule of three. That's the first one, and it is basically the rule that whatever we give each other, we have to. The other person has to watch, read, consume three of that thing. 
So for TV shows, it's three episodes. For graphic novels, it's three... Uh, issues. Issues. That's that's the one I was looking for. Books, we still haven't come up with, and it's been more than half a year, but that's fine. Is it a third? Is it three chapters? Eh, a third. A third. That sounds right. A third. A third. We're not usually asking each other to read, like, War and Peace here. Like it's No, that's true. A third's like a, you know, 100-page commitment. It's not that. Yeah. You do that in a week. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we do so because, the specifically, the first episode of television shows tend to be the pilot so it's sort of still getting its bearings it's still trying to work at characters and character development so you really want to get into it and uh and see what it's about yep second rule hashtag save it for the pod which is the rule that jordan and i will not talk about the thing we brought each other no matter how badly we want to whether it's terrible or we want to claw our eyes out or we can't find it and it's really difficult. Actually, I did bug him about that this week. How could we talk about it when Caitlin doesn't try to watch it until two hours before we're supposed to start recording? I couldn't. I was busy because I have a life. So there. I don't really have a life. Are you slurping? I'm sipping my tea because it's none of my business. I don't know why you had to not watch the thing you were given days ago you how many days ago jordan did you give it to me like at least three it was not three at days three. it was not three days ago it was not john snow can't help you now it, it was, was at least three. it was literally like yesterday or the day before how dare you it was not yesterday <laughs> i'm pretty sure it was at most at we can most, check it out it right was, now at most it was friday i'm pretty sure it was thursday i'm pretty sure it was friday Anyway. So we won't talk about it, though, unless we desperately need to find it, and we can't, because they've given us, you know, the crystal skull of animes. Third rule, Jordan. There's going to be spoilers. Who cares this week? Well, yeah. They're, it's the things, again, the things we're bringing you are pretty old, so if you haven't watched them by now... Pretty yeah. old or not exactly action-packed or twisty-turny. Like, yes. it's not. And that is our, our third rule, or what we call our policy. There are going to be spoilers. So if you are one of those people who absolutely cannot handle spoilers at all in any way, you need to head out. Because we're not going to be careful about it. We're going to talk all about it. So we're going to ru- ruin all the twists and turns. All the twists and turns of, you know, 300-year-old Mansfield Park. Or one to two-year-old. Ore Monogatari. Also called My Love Story. Yes. Uh, peace out. Yeah, go grab a cool drink. Stay in the shade. No, um, actually, go for a walk. It's pretty nice out. It's actually out. pretty nice yeah, out today. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. We don't have much complaining to do. Yeah. All right, so to start, uh, I believe we're going with... The thing I brought Caitlin. Yes. Which is the third choice when all the other things I wanted to bring Caitlin this week, I either couldn't find myself... Or couldn't hunt down to watch myself because I was there were there were some hot things in the ether that I thought would be worth talking about, but I wanted to watch them myself first, but couldn't find them. Uh, so this is not anything I really planned on giving Caitlin anytime soon, but it just kind of popped into my head. This is a show that came out in 2015, in the springtime of that year. One of the ones that really sort of. When I got back in on my like regular anime watching, this show, Food Wars, Assassination Classroom, this was kind of one of the things that really welcomed me back in to watching anime full-time. Uh, definitely the comfiest 
of the shows I was watching at that time. The show is beyond comfy. As mentioned, this is Ore Monogatari, or as it's known in the West, My Love Story. This is a comedic romance of sorts written by Kazune Kawahara, and the manga is illustrated by someone named Aruko. They, do they just go by that one name, like Madonna? They do. Huh. The guy who does One Punch Man just goes by one, so... Oh, okay. Par- apparently a big thing. So, this story follows a behemoth of a ninth grader named Takeo Gouda. What should I call him when I'm talking about him? Takeo. Ta- Takeo? Takeo. Takeo. So he always says... Uh, he's ginormous. He is drawn as though he should be in like Fist of the North Star or something. He's a giant he, human he being. Has, he has an extra Y chromosome. He has, he has big sideburns, big lips. He's he's drawn very 70s shonen style, which is what they're playing off of here because this is a very shoujo romance type comic. What's, big, a, sh- what's a shoujo? Comic? comic for girls. Oh, I see. So Sailor Moon is a shoujo. Ah, um, yeah, sh- shonen are your like action comics for boys. Shoujo tend to be either magical girls or romance comics or things like that. Just means they're comics targeted to a female demographic. Which I know you're not done talking about the show, but I I want to ask: mm-hmm. Is it really targeted for girls? I don't know to be honest. Okay. Um, I don't know because it's told from Takeo's perspective. And the the secondary character is also his friend who's a who's a boy. Yep, and it has as his friend Suna. So, just to break this down, through all of Takeo's life, Takeo is best friends with Suna, who is looks how you would expect a character in a story like this to look. Suna is the bishonen. He's the beautiful boy. Uh, he's also kind of inadvertently a jerk. Doesn't really know kind of a jerk, but he's just kind of Kind of also like a super nice guy. He's kind of antisocial, but just kind of like keeps to himself. He likes who he likes and, you know, he knows the people in his life who matter and he just doesn't really spend a lot of time with uh, anyone else. So Takeo and Suna have been friends basically since they were kids, kindergarten. And throughout their lives, basically what has happened is Takeo will get a crush on a girl. Yeah. The girl always has a crush on his best friend. Yeah. And Suna always rejects them. Yes. And this has been the pattern of their lives the entire time they have grown up, including in the first episode where you see them graduating from junior high. And Takeo is running through the hallways in his loud, (laughs) stampeding manner to find, I don't remember her name, but it's the latest one he wants to confess his feelings to before he goes to high school. And he finds her confessing her feelings to Suna and Suna just being like, yeah, nah. Well, I'm sorry, I don't like you. Yeah. (laughs) I don't feel the same way about you. Something like that. Uh, And then Suna and Takeo just kind of take off. Uh, Before, again, before Mm. you continue, there is, when Takeo is leaving, there are several groups of young boys who are sad that he is going. Oh, it's not that Takeo is unpopular. Right. He is worshipped by his underclassmen. Like, as a senpai, he is beloved. Yeah, they say senpai. They're like, senpai. Yeah, it just means... um, it's the term for it's a joke in anime circles because it's always like yeah. notice me senpai, like, yeah. um, but it just means you know someone older than you, yeah. uh, someone an upperclassman type of thing. It's just a term of respect. So yeah, it's not that he's unpopular. It's just as far as romantic pursuits have gone, girls always go for his best friend. Yeah, I relate to that a lot. Maybe that's why I enjoyed the show so much. <laughs> but anyway, basically on their way home, shortly after they start high school proper. They are on the train, 
And Suna sees some dude on the train that he thinks looks sketchy. He can't see it because he's short. Takeo, because he's 14 feet tall, can see clearly that this skeevy guy is uh, groping the butt of a young girl. Yes, who's very who who is just looking straight ahead, but yes. you can tell she's is mortified. She's yeah. not having. She's not. Does it's very unwanted. Uh, Takeo is having none of that. No, and he barges over, basically just <laughs> grabs the guy by the back of the neck and says, "Get the fuck off the train <laughs> at the next stop." Yeah, and they take him to the police and whatever. And the the girl who the girl insists on going with them, and that is how Takeo and Yamato Yamato. That's the correct inflection, yes. Yamato um, meet. And initially, Yamato wants to pay him back for his kindness. Yes. So she stops by stops by Takeo's apartment with like a cake that she's made to like thank him. And Suna has, is over. They were just shooting the shit. Suna gets up to leave. And whether it's politeness, nervousness, whatever, Yamato says, oh, no, 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 stay. You should have, you know, you can have some too, blah, blah, blah. Takeo immediately takes that to mean, oh, well, this is just going to be what it's always been. And she's into my best friend. And then from there, I'm going to pick it up. Okay. Which I thought was really interesting. From there, he decides to be a good guy and not get in her face about it and not get upset about it and try and get... uh, All their names are gone. Uh, (laughs) Poof. uh, His best friend... Suna. Suna. And this young woman... Yamato. Yamato. um, Together. He's going to yes. do his best to try and hook them up. And I like Yamato, but if she likes my best friend, I just want her to be happy. So exa- I will help her. A really nice, he's a very kind individual. Yes. Even though he's sort of crushed by this because he really likes her. Mm. You find out through the next three episodes that she actually is kind of head over heels for. Yeah, I've never been one to, like, really know when a girl was into me, but even by my standards, Takeo's kind of adult. Like, <laughs> Because Takeo just assumes, because it's always happened. She's texting him all the time, good morning. Well, the, the, one of the best scenes was, he's in class and he gets this text, and she sends him, like, an, like tiny emoticons that move, and he's like, Jesus Christ, they move! Like, <laughs> the shit moves, what? <laughs> yeah, which I thought was just hilarious. Um, and there are other little things and finally she asks he keeps on inviting his best friend along with Mm. him she keeps on wanting to meet up and give him baked goods and he keeps on inviting his best friend along because he thinks that that that's what she wants the reason why she's sending him text messages and emails and trying to hang out with him is so that he will bring his best friend along so he does that because he's a nice guy and then she finally asks him to meet just the two of them and he thinks that she's asking that so she can ask his advice (laughs) and that's that's like the third episode getting with suna yes yeah and there's all kinds of cute stuff in between and there's you find more out about suna and the fact that why does he keep on rejecting all these girls? So you, okay, so you did get to that. I was wondering if you'd be. I didn't have yeah. time to rewatch the third episode, but that oh, was yeah. one of the things I that really was like, okay, you're doing something a little bit better than your standard sort of yes. romantic type of thing is when yeah when you realize why Suna has been which is that Takeo uh, likes these girls all through their school career yes. and these girls have always uh, Suna reveals bad mouth. Takayo behind his back. They've always shit talked him. And as Suna puts it, why would I want to date a girl who's bad mouthing my 
best friend or a person behind their back. And you kind of go, oh my gosh, you know, you know, Suna is very... You're the best guy, because you don't yeah. really know what to make of him at first, kind yeah. of. He seems kind of standoffish or whatever, but it's like, oh my god, you're the best person ever. Like, yeah. And that's really what, like, I kind of loved about this show and what made it kind of like, it's really genuine without being sappy. Like, even when these characters are being, like, super wonderful people, it never feels like... To me, it never felt like trite. Now, sort of thing. There are some. There are some things about it. First of all, no fault of the show. I had a hard time finding it, mm. so that made me frustrated because it's I, on Crunchyroll. I, I was trying to watch it. <laughs> the second thing was, I said this a couple times while watching. Animes are weird. They're just. They're kind <laughs> yeah. of. They're just weird. Yeah. They have, sometimes have weird animation. Uh, and I actually a couple of things they do reminded me of Sailor Moon in the humor. You know, there's snot coming out <laughs> of people's noses a lot. And I couldn't get over uh, the animation of Takeo. I didn't like it. I don't know why they gave him these weird giant fish lips. Mm. Uh, the, the height and his girth, that that was all fine. It wasn't even girth. He's like super like muscular and strong. Yeah, he's, like, he's, on, he's been on the wrestling club, which I think comes up later in later episodes. Yeah. And... I just couldn't get over like why they made his face look that way. It was really frustrating and uh, and kind of upsetting because I feel like they were trying to make fun of the character, and I didn't think it worked with the with the anime. And I, I don't I don't have receipts on this. I don't know for a fact, but I feel like he's drawn in a way that like that type of character would have been drawn. 40 years ago right, or whatever. And that's, it's a deliberate artistic choice to draw him in that fashion. You see his mom in the episodes. She has similar, let's get the lips from his mom or his dad. I'm his from his mom. Um, Cause you do meet his dad later on too. And his dad, he doesn't really look anything like his dad. But yeah, I think that's, I think that's a cultural thing. I think they're playing with a cultural thing. That's kind of going to go woof over a lot of like Western people's heads. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate because it does seem kind of like, yeah, that's the lips thing is weird. And it's so rare that you get characters who look different in anime. Mm -hmm. Like usually all the boys look the same and all the girls look the same. Yep. It's nice for someone to be taller or larger. And it's just frustrating that that's the way the, the route they, they went to take with it. I did really like the story. I, it was weird. Cause third, I did really like the story. I have no idea what's going to happen further on ahead. I'm kind of interested because the third episode kind of wraps things up. Like it does this weird. So, you know, they find out that they both like each other. Mm. And then in an adorable scene, she bakes him this. She bakes um, the best friend a giant weird looking cake to say thank you to him for getting them together or, or basically revealing to them both. It was mm. almost Shakespearean the way he did it. Revealing He's like hiding under the bed or Takeo's hide, comedically hiding under the bed or something. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Suna basically like reels her in to like be, he knows she he's under the bed and he's trying to like coerce. Yeah. And she Yamato finally, into saying that yes, she likes him. Which she does. And at first she's upset, but then she, you know, he says, uh, he says he needs to hear it because he doesn't, he won't believe me <laughs> that you like him and not me. And then they kind of, you know, are walking home together and it's all happy and it, it, it goes full circle. And then I was like, well, this would make a really good short film. <laughs> what could possibly happen? 
it's more like so there there are like filler episodes there are side stories about like Suna there are people who like come into the scene who have you know always liked Takeo but you know didn't make a move for whatever reason and now they're feeling some kind of way now that he's got a girlfriend sort of thing those type of characters show up later on um and as well neither of them have had a relationship before right so So they're sort of navigating figure out what that's supposed to be right and that's actually something i really enjoyed about the show because there's a scene where there's an episode where like (laughs) i'm trying trying to remember it because i saw a meme of it on tumblr that was like made it seem porny when it's like the furthest thing from it right but it's basically like there's an episode where like Yamato has like needs and like her needs are basically like you know hold my hand jackass type of thing but it's like it kind of plays with this like you know you don't have to like you know I want to hold your hand too you know I am a I am a girl who you know likes a boy and would like to you know but I feel I can't because you're being all weird type of thing it's about them trying to button their heads on that and the fact that it admits that like hey she's back to our favorite term she's a female <laughs> yeah who like has needs in a relationship it played with that really nicely there's an episode later on where two of their friends end up dating because when you know the when when Takio's friends find out he's got a girlfriend it's like oh you got to get her to invite her friends and we'll all get together and we'll all get girlfriends it'll be great um there's what the afro guy i think you saw him uh, once or twice there's, he doesn't do anything he like yawns in one episode oh yeah he's, yeah he's a friend of Takio's. yeah uh he and another of Yamato's friends ended up getting together. And there was an episode, I think it was like a Christmas episode, where basically because their relationship isn't like Takeo and Yamato's relationship. Right. They're like, are we doing this right? Like what? <laughs> and as they figure out, it's like, no, relationships are different for different people. And you don't have yeah. to be always like stars in your eyes to be like, ah! <laughs> all the time, because that's what those two do. Like, you, yeah. your thing is your thing. And these are all very, like, after-school specialty type of things, but I mean, for, like, what's essentially a dumb little anime about teenagers falling in love, I thought had a, played with a little more, slightly more sophisticated topics. Are, are you listening to that CW? Because <laughs> your, excuse my language, your shit is getting old. Well. I don't even watch the stuff. Shots but I, at the I, CW. Unexpected shots at the CW. I can't, I just am sick of shows about teenagers that don't, deal with things that actually happen in relationships and the way this sounds it deals with actual issues in relationships when you're a teenager i mean mean, nobody's having sex i don't even think do they kiss the entire 24 episodes they might but like like this this porny tumblr gif was basically taking the scene where yamato was like you know, I want to hold his hands and hug him and, you know, whatever. And it's like, oh, he's going to think I'm such a terrible person because I have these <laughs> needs. And, like, the Tumblr comment was like, you probably want him to call you by your first name next, don't you, you little whore? <gasps> yeah. And that's, like, that's actually, like, a huge thing later in the episode, later in the series. Yeah. Where, like, she starts working at this bakery and this guy takes a shine to her type of thing. And she's leaving work one day and Takio's kind of like what's going on he doesn't know what to do and he's like watching from you know across the street <laughs> and this baker guy like calls her Renko, which is her first name and oh like, no don't you dare call her <laughs> does she does she freak out too not really if i recall because she doesn't think anything of it because obviously takio's always been like mad supportive you know yeah. like oh you wanted this is what you want to do you want to be a baker so this is a good opportunity for you to work in this bakery and learn from this guy 
and back him up. And yeah, that's, that's a big intense, you know, season oh. climax is this dude trying to split them up type of thing. All kind, yeah, fraught with with ups and downs, and but it's just it's so cute and comfy <laughs> as a show. And even like I rewatched because I had forgotten I rewatched the first couple episodes, and was immediately struck by how much I'd missed these characters from the. That's like, always nice. From the like watching week to week, yeah. Type now, of thing. other thing we should talk about: uh, subtitles. Subtitles mm. were great. Some of the best subtitling. I've seen it in anime. Because it does this thing a lot, especially with Suna, where he doesn't speak, but, like, there will be, like, Japanese text above his head yeah. showing his mood. Like, Well, this, they, they've they've translated it. They do, yes. And, you know, Takio will be very energetic and, like, get in Suna's face and be like, tell me what you're like in a girl. And you'll just see this text above Suna's head that just says, like, dude, you're, like, way too close right now. Yeah. Yeah, and they put, they have that in, and there was a couple other bits that, which is very clear. Sometimes I find if it's a big long sentence or emotion mm. that it gets a little bit confused in the translation. But this I found very clear. However, I am definitely taking a moment to talk about a pet peeve I have with anime. Okay. And I had kind of forgotten about it. Are you we, listening, anime? And yeah, seriously. And we have not talked about this before. Okay. But it it became. Uh, specific, very specifically clear while I was watching this. they The females don't always need to talk like they're having an orgasm. It's really not appropriate. And if you were to turn the picture off, you would think I was watching porn. Actually. Yeah, the first time she says her breathless thank you after he uh, he grabs the groper. It's like the first time they've ever spoken. And she's just like, Arigato! And not even that, did her her just being there. She's like, huh, huh. like it's just weird. It's super super weird. That was clean. Take that if you. <laughs> that's a clean drop. Take that if you wanted anybody. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I that that definitely drives me nuts. I'm just gonna straight up that drives me nuts. See, it that sometimes is why I like the the dub because mm. it's there's no none of that. It just feel, makes you feel uncomfortable. None of that business. None of that business. Well, that business aside. Yeah. Did this give you pasta level comfy feels? It was a it was a seven. Seven. I'll take a seven. It was a seven. For, I was, for a third choice, I'll take a seven. I was interested to know because, like I said, after the third episode, I said, "But this has like two seasons. How does this go on?" <laughs> They've kind of concluded that they like each other and they have this relationship. And I could have sort of imagined what else would happen, but really, I I, I was thinking this would make a great short film. You know, it, it I liked the characters. The it seemed really well thought out. And I kind of appreciated that they got together so fast because, you know, any other anime would be like, you know, 300 episodes and they're still like, you know, <laughs> um, does he like her? I don't know. Not even anime, like Castle. Yeah. It took them how many seasons to finally admit that they loved each other? It was ridiculous. Bones, same thing. You should just, you should have characters already be together. And then from there, talk about their story and, and romance. So I like, I liked that they did that as well. I, I do really like the characters. I thought it was funny in places that it was supposed to be funny. I think I laughed out loud even a couple places. Nice. The tech, the text message, and the cake. I actually laughed out loud. I thought that was hilarious. He's he is a character, despite how he's illustrated, is very yeah, and very even endearing. like even his eyes aren't 
animated the same way, and that that bugs me. Make him look like other people. He can be big and hulking. He can just his face can look like other people's faces. When he posts up at the elementary school because he's heard there's a prowler around. Yes, <laughs> yeah. He's just like, and he has like the makeup there. on, and yeah, big outfit. Uh, so yeah, there were things I, I I did like about it, but yeah, it's it's a seven. We'll see. We'll see if I get to it. Hey, there's there's a lot out there in the world. A lot that I haven't even got to yet, people. So we will see about that. Well, that's a seven out of ten for Ore Monogatari, also known as My Love Story. And I shouldn't even. I hate when white people on podcasts try to say put, Japanese put on the Japanese names. names. They really like I me. did last episode. What did you do last episode? The the movie. Then I checked out the trailer and it was weird. Remember, Kaim had the poster for the movie. Oh, right. Kizue Monogatari. Monogatari means like story. So right. I I checked out the trailer. Yeah, by the way, don't don't watch that movie, people. It, it was that weird. movie is like the like thirtieth part of a story that's been going on for like five years, being told it, out of order. It, said it was so. part one. Yeah, part one of that arc probably. Oh, jeez. Well... It's some story about vampires and everything is called something Monogatari. So this is Kizue Monogatari. Oh, dear. Well, I like I said, I checked out the trailer. Super, super weird. So I had no idea what was going on. I, the animation looked beautiful, but super, super weird. However, if you like great stories, you should check out the thing that I gave Jordan, which was 1999 Mansfield Park. Which I watched because you don't refuse shit also directed at kaim not how the show works so i not decided i decided and you know what no, no people are gonna come back they're right. gonna be like caitlin didn't want to watch audition you know what audition is a movie with body horror and gore and lots of weird stuff i'll give her a pass on refusing that it's fucking mansfield park it's not it's not gonna kill you you don't get to refuse or give you nightmares it would have given me uh, that that movie would have given me nightmares. Giddy, 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 giddy. Serious nightmares. That's what she says when she's sawing the foot. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember. Yeah, making, stop making, making the motion. The, making the saw on the foot stop. with piano wire motion. Stop making the motion. Anyway, Mansfield Park, so benign. Mansfield you don't get Park. to refuse. So, what the, was his reasoning again? Walk me back through that again. Uh, I think he just didn't want to. <laughs> I think no, no, Kaim, you did a great job. No offense, just I think that was the reasoning. He didn't. He really didn't want to. So I watched Mansfield Park. So I was thinking, well, I know someone who won't refuse, and it's it's Jordan because he really wants to do the podcast with me, and I really want him to watch Jane Austen. <laughs> so I gave him specifically the 1990, 1999 version to watch. And the reason I did that is because they make a lot of film departures. The 1999 Mansfield Park was directed by Patricia Rosima. I believe that's how you say her last name. It was also, the screenplay was also written by her. And the reason I bring that up is because, like I said, they make a lot of departures and significant departures. The main heroine is very different than the book's heroine. The parts of the story, um, they've added some historical facts into there that are not in the books to give it a little bit more depth. It's going to be fun if the one thing I actually found impressive about the movie was nowhere in the book. It probably is. And they've, I mean, they've also changed some of just the general story. They've also incorporated a lot of Jane Austen's life and, and childhood and writings into the story as well. 
So she's done a, she obviously is a fan of Jane Austen. When I first watched this film, I was kind of, I don't want to say I wasn't upset, but I was sort of put off by the fact that it is not the book. But as time has gone by and I've watched the movie a couple more times, I love this movie. Yes, I'm a huge Jane Austen fan, but I just think in this case, the movie is much better than the book. The book talks about certain things of that time that were important, but I don't think it does as good of a job as the movie does as being an interesting story about a young woman's life and that historical time period. Now, for the story itself, the, it's sort of the basis is the same. The main character's name is Fanny Price. There, She comes from a very poor part of, of a family. There to- were... Th- Total two-namer. What's a two-namer? Two Where you just always sounds better to say both of their names. Oh, yes. Fanny Price does sound. Like she's... No, and in the movie. Yeah. I don't they, think anybody calls her Fanny. Everybody calls her Fanny, Fanny Price. Price. Because you have to make that distinction. She's not... This is And this is really significant to the story. So there were three sisters. I feel like I'm talking about folklore. There were three sisters. The One of them uh, married someone very wealthy, uh, and Mr. Our, our Lord Bertram, and she became Lady Bertram. The middle one married a clergyman who was given a living by Lord Bertram and lives close to Mansfield Park. And the third married someone in the army, or I should say Navy, who ended up getting shot or wounded and then had a very small, was given a very small pension and they live very, very poorly. And they have like, I think they have nine children. So many kids. Yeah, so many kids. And Fanny Price is the oldest of them. And they are De- almost destitute. Like, she the went filthy. back home and her old mother came out holding like a toddler and I was like, stop having children. <laughs> they they couldn't. They didn't have birth control. Uh, so, the, you know, you see her and she's she's filthy, but she loves writing and is p- pretty smart. And so the Ber- uh, the Bertrams, Lord and Lady Bertram, decide that to help their the sister, they're going to take the oldest child and have her come live with them at Mansfield Park and be a playmate but also kind of a servant. Did um, not understand what her role was supposed to be or what that Basically, was. They, they were trying to expose her to a higher lifestyle. They uh-huh. weren't going to give her a lot of money. They weren't going to treat her like the rest of their children because she's poor. But they were going to have her as, again, sort of like a playmate and uh, take that financial burden away from this younger sister and her poor husband. So that's sort of where she she comes there. She's taken away from her home. She's not really told what's going on. She's dropped there at 10 years old. She actually has to stay out all morning because they didn't come come get her. Right. And she you see her grow up and sort of what and she doesn't see any of her family. She grows up among these wealthy people, always knowing that she's different and not part of their life and their family. And you sort of see she comes, it's it's a story about growing up. And you see her sort of develop and change as the story goes along. Is that a pretty good synopsis? Yeah. Now, within the story, there's also, uh, not the story Mansfield Park, but the movie, there are other elements, specifically about slave trade, responsibility, where people's wealth comes from, um, social status, I, I don't know. There's all kinds of the relationships between between families, uh, all kinds of things in there that there there wasn't in the book, or at least not as much. Specifically, though, um, the significance of the slave trade. 
Well, that was the one thing I thought was interesting about this. Points deducted, Jane Austen. <laughs> and and well, that's because you didn't write as a proper lady. You didn't write about the slave trade. Mm. There were books out there, but uh, not as a novelist, and especially not as a lady novelist. And that was it. That was the only thing. Are you asking me to get into it? Yeah. Um, are you ready for the abhorrent cultural blind spot in my life? Yeah. Never read Jane Austen. <gasps> I mean, I'm not surprised, but... <gasps> I kind of am. I was, a, I was an English major. Oh, yeah, then. What, how, what, how did, what did you How do? did it never come up? What did you do in I don't know. In I English just must have, like, you know, when it was Victorian time, I just must have, must have dodged it. It's like, not Victorian. Whatever. Whatever. She says it's 1806 at one point. Yes, which is not Victorian. I don't care, Caitlin. But I never read it. You should care. It's important. To who? To me. Yes. It's, an imp- it's important to me and all the rest of the people in the steampunk community. So there. What was it, Caitlin? You could either call it the Romantic era or the Edwardian era. Yeah, I took era. Romantics. Cared nothing about that. Jane Austen's significant in the Romantic era. Not according to the late Alistair MacLeod, who taught me Romanticism. Well, he can go suck an egg in... <laughs> Heaven, I guess. So yeah, never read Jane Austen. Or as I was watching this, I kept thinking uh, Harlequins for old British people. Mm, yeah, no, uh, yeah. It's or- Poor girl comes in, all the rich people love her, can't wait to make her rich and scoop her away. And this is just a Harlequin novel. No, the rich, yeah, people, first, the rich but- people don't love her. Johnny Lee Miller clearly loves her. Oh, well, dude. The one guy. The one guy. Rakish dude who she shouldn't be with. He's not rakish. Clear. The next one. Oh, the dude who oh, banged yeah. the sister. Oh, yeah. No, definitely shouldn't be with that one. He couldn't wait to give her everything and take care of her entire family. That that right there is a Harlequin romance. All she was missing was like a pregnancy. Is there a pregnancy in Harlequin romance? All the time. Well, Harlequin. The Greek tycoon's baby? I just named a Harlequin. An entire series of Harlequins. <laughs> the... Greek tycoon's baby. That's fantastic. Oh, is it going to get banged by some Greek tycoon? It's like, it's like, but I have your baby. And it's like, I don't want anything to do with you. But then he always does because she just wins him over because she's so plucky and charismatic. Well, Harlequins had to come from somewhere. But Jane Austen novels have a lot more about social class and people within them and the spheres of social class and how they bump up against each other. It's important. Also, she has very witty dialogue. Better than Harlequin dialogue. I know because I read two of them and I wanted to claw my eyes out. So, I mean, and this is the thing you butt up against sometimes when you watch, you know, adaptations of the originators of these tropes. It's like, cool. I've seen this a million other times because the things I've seen are ripping off the forms she created. Yeah. So props for being the originator. Yeah. But... I really hate British class stuff. It makes me so angry. But what about... All the time. But this is the same thing as, again, this is a Korean drama, except it took place ages ago, and it was the first kind of Korean drama, but it wasn't because it's English. This is You don't have this problem with Korean dramas. No, the class shit in Korean dramas really, really bothers me as well, too. Um, we didn't talk about that when we talked about pasta. Uh, it didn't come up a ton with yeah, pasta, Yeah, really. because we talked about how poor she is and the whole idea of her father running this fast food restaurant. It's minor, but compared to something like The Heirs, which is another... Or The Heirs or Boys Over Flowers, like, it's way worse in those. Oh, okay. Um, and this... 
did not have it as bad as other things I've seen, but definitely that one maid who's her aunt or whatever, like the one who leaves her outside. She's the clergyman's wife. Is she? Yes. She does a whole lot of serving around there. I don't know. Well, yeah, because she wants in and she wants money. She's the most overtly classist. And the dude, the father, lord, whatever, he says some stuff to. And every time that shit comes up, I'm just like, it makes me so angry. Which it's supposed to. I know it's supposed to, but it's just... I find it one of the most repellent things in human history. And that's why I think it's so significant to talk about it, even to talk about it in romance movies. So, I mean, it was was fine. I watched it. The slave trade stuff was interesting. Got glossed over pretty fast. Seemed to, like, get pop up with, like, real intensity, like, three or four times, and then just get, like, shunted off again. Well, they make a... Like, she finds that journal of that crazy Tom has a... Yeah. been doodling in of, of these white people raping slaves and whatnot, including possibly uh, his father. Yeah. Just big, and then he then rounds the corner. And <laughs> Every time I watch one of these, I'm always reminded of an old, uh, it's an SNL skit. It was a Spike TV ad for Downton Abbey. Right. It was like trying to like <laughs> sell Downton Abbey to, to bros. It was like, do you love eavesdropping? <laughs> we have a show for you. And that's what I was thinking every time one of these moments would happen but to its credit every time i would make one of those jokes to myself it didn't happen again but yeah like should that not have been a bigger deal it's like oh what's up bro your moral high ground's kind of falling away because you'd be raping black folks on the rigs and he's he 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 doesn't go stop being not a great person like a (laughs) terrible terrible awful person it's just this is what you have to deal with if you want to not... Like, you didn't have any option but to deal with these people. She's not like she could take off and go somewhere else. No, they didn't have any that. money. No, they did try that. Um, but they do talk... At the end of it, they talk about how the father now owns uh, a tobacco farm. Yeah. Which is a it's, a... it's a nudge to the fact that he no longer owns slaves. Yeah. Which is not... Still doesn't make him a great person. <laughs> But it makes him slightly better than he was before. There's like a nudge that whatever Crazy Tom's deal was, very poorly drawn character. He just showed up every once in a while to be crazy and run amok and not crazy. He was he was an alcoholic. Um, after he gets better, yes, it's it. It's like his father decides like this is the moment where I will decide to not be as evil. Yeah, it's a weird character, but characters have layers, like yeah. a puff pastry. <laughs> And inside is racism and evil. <laughs> Look for it in your grocery freezer. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was it was a it was it was some background viewing. And I was watching. To it, be honest, but... I didn't think you would specifically like it. I was just interested to know what you thought. So what was what were some of these huge changes that were made? Also, by the way, there was some direct camera address in this, which I was like, get the fuck out. What the. There was a moment during, I think she's supposed to be, it's like a mont. it's like her aging montage. She's supposed to be like growing up and writing letters to her sister or something. And there's some like straight direct camera address. Yeah. And when that started, I was like, oh, fuck off. It's been like 20 minutes and you're already talking at the camera. This is some, get the fuck out. <laughs> done with this. Um, I don't know why that's such a bad thing, but. Uh, We're going to put right. that in a Jane Austen adaptation. I don't know. It just seems janky. Well, they did lots of uh, lots of changes. So for when the the story it, where she's talking to her sister, the second oldest child that she's closest with is actually a brother ah. who ends up coming to visit. And there's a whole big thing with that. 
and one of the reasons why she's trying to sort of get the behave is so that her her brother can get this position through her uncle Mm. lord bertram other thing in the books she is unbelievably timid she barely says a peep she would never argue with someone and i like that change that they've made her like you said hey it could be a trope that she's plucky and interesting and intelligent but hey that's how i like my ladies that's right. That's right, Janeway. I'm talking to you. He actually eye-rolled when I said that, guys. Uh, the slavery thing doesn't come up at all in the book. Not at all. I mean, they talk. he does have some land overseas. and, mm. and Antigua. Yes, and but it doesn't really... It doesn't, slavery doesn't come up at all. Um, oh... Uh, some other not huge things but basically just the the story arc the way people end up in the end is mostly the same but not completely they've just done some things to, especially to the character um oh she never walks in on people having an affair that doesn't happen that was unexpected <laughs> well that doesn't happen it's, it's, it's pleasant little co- you know comedy of manners and suddenly hardcore banging yeah and you just find out that the daughters have run away with these people, and that just was not done, you know? A lot of it was more a commentary on social class, which is which is Jane Austen's thing, right? People weren't talking about it, so she ended up putting it in her novels. That's all. That's it. So if you had to give it a rating. It's a six. A six? What? Seriously? Yeah. Ugh. It's Six. unfortunate that by his mere presence, Johnny Lee Miller will make something seem dated <gasps> and no, out, of, don't say out that. of fashion. Oh, Johnny Lee Miller. His, his mere appearance made me go, ooh, this is real 90s. No, because he's still big in in Britain. Oh, I'm not saying his, that was definitely, I mean, that's the move, right? You you break doing your, your edgy projects and then you have to. It's like in your contract as, he a, plays as, Sherlock a, Holmes. as a British actor. He does now. Yeah. Then you have to. Everybody always has to do their costume drama. But he's not in a costume drama as Sherlock Holmes. He's with Lucy Liu. No, I mean in this. Oh, yeah, in this. Well, he's in this, and he was in in Emma from, like, 2011 or something. Good Lord. How many do do you have to do to keep your your BAFTA card? At least one. (laughs) Per decade. Per decade. Anyways, I love this movie. So if you are into Jane Austen or into Korean dramas, you will love... 1999's Mansfield Park. Do not watch the 2004 one or six one or whatever. Seven, I think it was. Oh, it was Is terrible. Billy Piper in that thing. Yes. Yeesh. It was. It was bad. It was really bad. <laughs> it was bad. It was super bad. You know, uh, Frances O'Connor, I believe her name is. It's Please. Uh, Fanny, yeah. Fanny in this. It, and she she was actually pretty delightful. She was the only thing keeping my interest, to be honest. Frances O'Connor is in Clarman. Is she? Yeah, she plays the doctor. Shrug. <sighs> Francis O'Connor is great in it. Johnny Lee Miller is great in it. And James Purfoy. I think that's how you say his name. Who Purfoy. He plays the older brother that just shows up and is a alcoholic. Ah. Yeah. And, oh my God, what's the name of the family on, on Downton Abbey? The Crawford? Uh, no, not Crawford. Crawley? Crawleys. Well, anyway, the Lord of Downton Abbey plays Mariah's foppish husband. Yes. Yes weird wig on that dude in this movie <laughs> uh, but 
I just, uh, I can't, I can't. See, this is like when I forget that all the people in my office don't ever, haven't ever watched Star Trek, and I bring up Star Trek, and they're like, what are you talking about? I forget that people don't adore Jane Austen and have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 This one, damn. It's just, just my life. So I won't be giving you any more Jane Austen, but. But I watched it. You did watch it. And there may be other costume dramas in your future. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. So we'll see. We'll see. Updates. Updates. Do we have any? I don't think so. I just have one thing I want to shout out. It's not really an update. It's something I got tipped off to from another podcast who endorsed it. And then I went and checked it out. It is a site called Radio. Oh, yeah. You mentioned with it. five O's uh, for the music geeks among you. This is a site that allows you to it brings up a map you pick any country Mm -hmm. and a decade and a mood slow fast or weird and then it plays you music Uh, i'd be weird all the time for me from those eras and areas and obviously as someone who wants to know a lot more about 1980s japanese music this is going to be murder on my discogs want list oh dear kind of already is Let's just let's just have a look. Let's see what's what's queued up here. Also, should note it's in beta, so it's kind of buggy as hell. Japan from the set. Japan from the seventies. I like it. This is Japan weird nineteen eighties. I also like this. Switch it to, switch it to fast. Oh, yeah. I like this one. This one came up the other day. Yeah, that's like a $70 record. Wow. Who knew that Japanese pop was so big? Japanese pop from the, I should say, 80s and 70s. Yeah, so um, I just really find... This is a uh, Elena. Okay. Sweet Elena by Toshiki Kadomatsu. Very nice. So it does give you the option to buy, but obviously it's not going to take it to iTunes. Like none no. of these songs are cleared. Give me a country, Kate. Um, Sweden. Oh God, my geography. Where the hell Sweden? Are you just randomly touching yep. countries in Europe? Yep. Oh, dear. It's near the top, isn't it? There's Denmark. It's near Denmark, isn't it? Oh, hell. I don't know where anything is. There it is. Uh, decade. <gasps> this, this is the 80s. This is uh, Kiki Danielson and Anders Glenmark. Oh, it's a cover of Islands in the Stream. Amazing. <laughs> So if you want a Swedish cover of Islands in the Stream from somewhere in the 1980s, check out Radio. It has an app and a website. And speaking of music, actually, and speaking mm-hmm. of m- music from the 70s. Okay. I finished the get down. Ah, how'd you like it? I really liked it. Especially that last episode. Right. the Where they have their moment. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> totally convinced. Speaking of rap stuff, that was my update. Everyone. Watch Atlanta. It's fucking great. Is it? So great. Have you? Is there th- three episodes yet? No. Aww. So I couldn't give it to you. 
Shucks. Only two. I was like, fuck the rules. I'm giving it to you now. Uh, Atlanta is Donald Glover's new show on FX. Donald Glover, formerly Troy Barnes of Community and a.k.a. Childish Gambino. This is basically the project he left Community to go and put together about a guy named Earn who has dropped out of Princeton for unknown reasons. He is living back home in Atlanta, kind of bouncing around between his parents' house and his baby mama's house, who he is not with, but they do have the child. And he discovers he's kind of working, selling credit cards on commission at an airport. He finds out that his cousin is bubbling up as a underground rapper named Paperboy. All about that Paperboy. And Earn sees this now as his, his way to make something of his life. Huh, interesting. Um, and it's totally the David Simon school of fuck you storytelling. It just drops you right in. It's not going to explain anything to you. It's not going to explain the relationships of these people. You have to piece it together. Apparently, Glover said he wanted to make Twin Peaks with rappers. <laughs> I actually found that sounds amazing. So yes, if we can get more stories All about, yes. if we can get more stories about, I was talking about this two weeks ago. If we can more stories about rappers, that would make me happy. I want all the stories. Um, I want different stories. Give me different stories, people. And the breakout is clearly Keith Stanfield, who has a cameo as Snoop and Straight Outta Compton. And he's done a couple other things I'm not super familiar with. He plays... Oh, hell, I can't remember his name now. I'm having a Caitlin moment. Kate Brain! <laughs> can a, strike it's, at it's any pl- time. It's a plague on us all. Um, he plays Paperboy's like, stoner sidekick type of thing right and every line that comes out of his mouth is glorious (laughs) just genius the the example as far as how weird this show will get for like absolutely no reason is there's a so episode two some shit goes down episode one episode two uh paperboy and the stoner oh they all kind of split up and go their own way on the second episode right which is bizarre way to tell a story especially that early on but paperboy has come home and he's back with the stoner friend, and the doorbell rings. Yeah. And Paperboy has now gotten on the radio. Ern has pulled some strings to prove himself that he can be his manager, has pulled some strings to get the song on the radio. And right. it's been bubbling up even more now in the hood. And so the doorbell rings, and the stoner goes over and opens the door, and it's a giant black dude in a Batman mask. Okay. And he lifts the mask up, and he's like, Yo, Paperboy live here? And the stoner's like, y- Yeah. Uh, pulls the mask back down, turns around, and runs away. That's it? That's it. Stoner just kind of looks back in the house and is like, man, you're getting too hot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, he's got this... They accuse Ern of being crazy at one point, or like he went crazy, and that's why he left, he left Princeton. Right. And Glover, as Ern, is like, I'm, I'm not crazy. I wasn't like using a rat like a cell phone. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm fine. Which prompts the stoner to go off on this amazing thought experiment on how great it would be if you could use rats as cell phones. Right. Let's think of how many rats they have in New York City. I mean, it'd be some health concerns, but everybody could have an affordable phone. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, what? (laughs) Like, this is amazing. Uh, And there are so many moments like that. Uh, The first episode is actually on YouTube. You can watch it now for for nothing. Um, We're two episodes in. Third one drops tomorrow as or this week it's sunday as we're recording this it'll drop tomorrow and yeah the second that third episode's up <laughs> um, we might wait till the season's done but this is definitely something that we'll come back to on the show so congrats childish slash donald it really 
gets upsetting that you're so good at everything he's like <laughs> all the, the time. He's like a Justin Timberlake. He's <laughs> so good at everything. I'll, yeah. I'm going to go make a show. Oh, the show's fucking great. <laughs> it's yeah. one of the best things I've seen this year. Um, he had his Joshua Tree. He did some shows out at the Joshua Tree because he's got some new music. I don't know when the album's coming out. but And those apparently crushed. I read an article on OK Player that just, like, they were amazing shows as well. He's going real real Afrocentric. He was in, like, you know, body paint and stuff. Cool. He's going, he's going super black. Um, yeah, Atlanta's got an all-black writer's room, which is, like, amazing. unheard of, <laughs> like, for the television industry. But this is really kind of what, like, FX does, and maybe it's the only way a show like this could exist. FX is very cool with, like, if you can get it done for this amount of money... You can have it. Do whatever you want. Yeah. And this is how, like, Louie exists. Hey, hey, oh my gosh. Mm. Maybe FX can then hire me. Maybe. And I can write a television show. Are you listening, John Landgraf? Do you still work there? I don't know. Because I could totally do it. (laughs) If you want your Murder, She Wrote reboot... It would be so good. I would be so good. Or, or yet again, I can make those Sue Grafton novels into an amazing 80s television show. So she says. I work with a, a person who was a, P, a female PI in the 1980s. You know an actual person who has done this? Yes. Why are we not having them on this show to interview? I, it's a, a possibility. It's amazing. <laughs> Someone's an actual 80s PI. Yeah. And she is an 80s PI, and she's one of the coolest people I've ever met. Fuck the geek I, down. The new show was just listening to her tell stories for half an hour. I, I I did basically geek out at her. We were sitting beside each other at some some meeting, and I kind of like, tell me everything. <laughs> just tell me all the things about being an 80s PI. So, yeah. Well, future features later on, friends. That is just about going to do it, I, I believe. So. We have I nothing else. So. Nope. For another fantastic episode of the Geek Down podcast, if we are we are back, back at back at it again with the back, way advance. <laughs> back at it again. If you would like to get at us, as mentioned at the top of the show, we have the Twitters at Geek Down Pod, the Tumblers Geek Down the emails Geek Down at Gmail and the Facebook group www.facebook.com forward slash Geek Down Pod. And you can let us know how happy you are that we are... That we are back together, back at it again, and that it is not sweltering hot in this Not sweltering apartment. hot. No further foreseeable interruptions. The mics are back at my house. Thank you, Caitlin. Yeah, I set two alarms. Two alarms. As I told Caitlin, just put them in the doorway so that you have to trip over them to leave your house. Which like, is exactly what I did. I put them on the stairs so if I tripped over them, I would die. It was either get you the mo- microphones or die, Jordan. Well, I mean, I didn't want you to die, but I mean, I would have taken like, you know, a couple bumps on your noggin if it meant getting the, <laughs> getting the mics here. I say that knowing that we have to do like a phoner next episode. <laughs> it's yes. going to be a whole other headache. But anyway, your new BFFs, Scarlet Ember and Sunshine Bubbles, reunited and it feels so good. And we will be back with you again on another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Pod. Thank you so much for listening and joining us, friends. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Kate McKinnon. And we will see you back again next week. See you then.
So you mean Jimmy Fallon's on the board? <laughs> yes. On the board, Fallon. On the board. My fucking money. <laughs> That's how I feel about my life. Your life, where's my money? <laughs> I put so much perfume merchandise back, <laughs> Fallon. <laughs> Give me my money. You owe me a DVD.